Hey, business owners, do you want to build a stronger team? Mark your calendars for the 8th Annual Refresh Leadership Live Simulcast event held on April 12th, hosted by Express Employment Professionals. This year's speaker lineup is well-versed in the essential characteristics of outstanding teams and the role leadership plays in helping them succeed. Hear from Super Bowl champion coach Jimmy Johnson about the lessons he's learned throughout his legendary coaching career. Best-selling author Patrick Leononi will explore virtues that make some people better team players than others. And then world champion adventure racer and firefighter Robin Benacasa will take you on a fast-paced adventure with people who accomplish extraordinary feats together. From being a team player to the importance of human synergy, this is a learning and networking event you don't want to miss. For more information or to register now, visit refreshleadership.com slash live. That's refreshleadership.com slash live. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back. Roger Stone with us. His latest work is called The Making of the President 2016. Website linked up at coasttocoastam.com. We're going to get into some breaking stories with Roger in a second. Roger, I'm going to ask you for two favors if you ever talk to Donald Trump in the future. Two things, okay? Certainly. One is to tell him to do whatever he can to protect and insulate our power grid from an EMP attack or a major X flare from the sun, uh, the latest report, and uh, it's bantered around Washington, that ninety uh, percent of uh, the Americans would be dead in a year if any of those two things happen, and that could be an EMP. Let's say North Korea detonates a nuke uh, over the United States in the atmosphere; it doesn't do anything to the property or kill people directly, but it shuts down the power grid. And uh, without that, we're, we're up a creek. They can fix it uh, for a few billion dollars. That, that's one thing I'd ask you to get to him. And the other is, I'm opposed to the wall, but we have technology that can do everything he wants to do and more. Just look at Area 51. A mouse goes past a certain line. They know about it. They've got armed guards that show up. Alarms go off. We can put that whole system in right across the border all the way across the United States, over 2,000 miles, with lasers and electrical lines, and you don't have to worry about spending and making a 30-foot wall. And it'll do the same thing, if not better. Well, by my memory, uh, the president's son, Eric Trump, is uh, very interested in the uh, security of the grid issue, quite knowledgeable about it. So I have some confidence that those, those ideas are being communicated well to the president. Uh, he is, you know, he has to uh, somehow reverse 30 years of decline, 30 years of the Bushes and the Clintons working closely together to line their pockets mm-hmm. and make their cronies much wealthier, while George Norrie and Roger Stone and their families became poorer and had fewer choices. See, my problem is not just that the globalist neocon agenda of taking all of our jobs abroad uh, has uh, has not just made us poorer. It's made the cronies and the, the, and the elitist friends of the Bushes and the Clintons, whose views on every issue are identical. Endless war, erosion of civil liberties, massive spending, huge debt. Uh, uh, open borders, de facto open borders in your immigration system, uh, and a trade policy that is sending all of our jobs overseas. That's the legacy of the Republicans and the Democrats, the Bushes and the Clintons, 
working together. Donald Trump's election is a rejection of all of that. Donald Trump's nomination by the Republican Party is the hostile takeover of one of the parties as a vehicle. We cast out the country clubbers in their green pants with the little whales on them, and we have replaced them with working people, yep. people who are tired of this, seeing this country spit on, tired of the downward sp- spiral, people who learned in school that we were Americans, we were exceptional, we could do whatever we set out to do, but we have not had leaders to make that case and lead that fight. So Trump really did tap into a silent majority. Oh, he, uh, he was brilliant when he did that. Well, and one of the reasons why the pollsters and the pundits and the experts were wrong about the outcome of this election is because they badly misunderstood who was going to vote and who was motivated to vote. Trump's turnout and vote in the rural areas in this country broke all records. And Trump was able to win states like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin uh, and Michigan because there were white Democrats who would never vote for Mitt Romney in their life because they viewed him as a country club stiff, the kind of guy you usually ended up punching out in a bar. They weren't voting for that guy. Whereas in Donald Trump, despite the fact that he's a billionaire, there's nothing snobby or elitist about him. He just likes people. He likes people. He, he gets strength from people. He loves these rallies, loves them. They motivated him. They pumped him up to do another one. And in the closing days of this race, I really dwell on this in the book, he takes on a Herculean personal effort. I mean, sheer physical will to drive his body and mouth and go days without sleep. Why did he want this job, Roger? I mean... First of all, because he's a winner, and he'd like to see America to start winning again. You know, if you look at this historically, uh, I first wanted him to run in 1988. I met him in 1979 when I was uh, sent to New York to organize the Ronald Reagan campaign there for former Governor Reagan. I was introduced to Donald by his flamboyant and controversial attorney, Roy Cohn. Oh, yes. We know that name. Guaranteed a thousand Twitter bots attacking me in the next five minutes just by dropping that name. I almost want to say it again. Roy Cohn, Roy Cohn, Roy Cohn. (laughs) McCarthy, McCarthy. Yeah, right. Although the real McCarthyites are Adam Schiff and some of these others casting aspersions regarding uh, Russia. We'll come back to that. The the point, I guess, is that Trump... um, had the size to take on the leadership of both parties. He's not connected in any way to the bad decisions of the last 30 years. I had had people call me, Roger, that said that they thought he was more of a Democrat than a Republican. So he's... Well, I think he's a pragmatist. In other words, here's the misnomer. He's not some hardcore conservative ideologue. That's not him. He is a conservative-leaning populist. So on issues like trade and taxes and spending and security. Yes, he takes uh, the most conservative position. But he's also a man who is interested in what works. Uh, And and he would like to see progress. And despite all of his carrot and stick rhetoric, he wants to make a deal. So when, for example, it comes to NATO and he says, well, you know what, if we had a member who wasn't paid up, 
and then they suddenly came under attack. I'm not sure whether we show up to save them or not. <laughs> That's negotiating. Yeah. That's what that is. That's smart negotiating. Sure. Our money's in. A couple of our allies have their money in. The rest of these pikers have not, you know, coughed up their fair share. Right. And he's been talking about this since since a speech he gave in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, in February of 1988, that it was time that NATO was a good idea, but it was built at a time after World War II in which we were flush, we were rich, and they were poor. Our mm -hmm. allies were poor, so we staked them. That's a good thing. All of them. Now we're poor, they're rich, it's time for them to pay up. Yeah. That's not radical, that's not crazy, that's not wild, that's common sense. Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. And if you become a Coast Insider, not only can you listen to past, present, and future programs, you can also participate in our twice-monthly chats at the Coast website, like Open Lines for the Modern Era. Join me in the Coast chat room to share your story, ask a question about me, the show, things we've talked about on the program. And the second chat of the month features a popular Coast to Coast guest ready to explore their research with you. So head on over to coasttocoastam.com and become a Coast Insider, and we'll see you in the chat room. What is all this hoopla about this Russian investigation? Uh, they're going after uh, one of your former partners, Paul Manafort, who clearly admits, hey, I had work with a Russian and his company, got paid for it. He's not hiding that. But what are they? What are they looking for? Well, first of all, it was in 2005. This election was in 2016. That's right. That's a bit odd. I'm not sure how we're going to try to stretch that. Uh, here is the point, and that is the there is no doubt whatsoever that Donald Trump was under surveillance at Trump Tower. There is no doubt whatsoever that his phones were bugged, and they were listening to his conversations not only in his New York office but also his New York apartment and his apartment uh, at uh, the Mar-Lago Club, his private residence in Palm Beach. And what, what time period? Uh, well, as it now appears, it begins much, much earlier than you think. It actually begins under George W. Bush. He is among a cross-section of Americans who are being spied upon and whose phone conversations are being tapped, kept taped and cataloged for, for future use. That program, thanks to Alex Jones and Dr. Corsi, has now come to light. It's been fully identified in a blockbuster piece by Corsi last week, uh, which is meeting substantial resistance in the mainstream media. Yes. But more precisely, and here's the key, the way they rationalized and justified the monitoring and the spying on the Republican candidate for president was because of this Russian collusion. Now the Russian collusion has disappeared, has crumbled. Uh, I myself have been wiretapped, I believe, according to the New York Times on January 20th of this year, four Trump associates were wiretapped, uh, and the fruits of those taps were being used in this investigation. And they named me in that piece. So, um, on the basis of no probable cause, no evidence, uh, they have violated my civil rights. They've been reading my email, reading my texts, listening to my phone calls. Uh, that means they were listening to all my phone calls with candidate Donald Trump. Uh, it also means they listened to me when I spoke to, say, Alex Jones or my wife or my children or my grandchildren or hundreds of reporters that I deal with. 
uh, it's deeply invasive. It really, you feel violated. Of course. And they had no reason. That is the point. In other words, this is their reason was a Hillary Clinton press release. There's no proof. I say this again. I never had any contact or interaction with any representative of the Russian state or Russian intelligence. And it is certainly not this benign frame-up in which, oh, you spoke to a Russian hacker, Guccifer, too. Uh, first of all, we don't know he's a Russian. Secondarily, I talked to him long after it would have mattered. I could not have collaborated with him. And George, I've released the entire exchange. It's not exactly 007 stuff. But at, uh, even so, at this point, though, Roger, they haven't explained what are they after. I mean, they're, they're after any case they can make that uh, somehow somebody working for Trump cheated uh, in an effort to uh, turn the election to Trump. Why is it important? They're going to have to justify why they were spying on the president or they're going to prison. When Nixon did this, they ran him out of town. Right. And what Nunes learned was more significant than I think people realize. Because what he stumbled upon is truth that they were wiretapping, bugging Trump when he was president-elect, not candidate. He was already president. Did he make a mistake when he quickly Anyone tweeted? Who knows about this, this would be a violation. Of course. Uh, and, as you know, if you uh, get permission from the secret FISA court, which is a rubber stamp for the government, in other words, the FISA court, doesn't require probable cause or evidence. Essentially, anybody the government wants to spy on. They just do it. They just do it. But they told the court, we must spy on Trump, your honors. He's plotting with the Russians, except for he wasn't. They have a real, there's a real problem there. And then leaking the existence of the FISA uh, warrants or the fruits of the FISA warrant, as they did to the New York Times on January 20th. By the way, you noticed that story was planned for Inauguration Day, just to shove it right up the new president's keister. <laughs> that was done purposely. And believe me, that he got the message. Uh, and then on the 30th, they say, well, on the 20th, they say, we have email transmissions, we have financial records. On the 30th, the Times reports, they also have telephone intercepts. Produce them. Where are they? Let's read them. How about right now? Well, and again, though, I don't see anything wrong with a candidate trying to discuss issues with other countries, Russians, the Iranians, even that whack job in North Korea. But in this case, they're trying to make WikiLeaks out to be a Russian asset. And therefore, if you were in direct touch with Assange, I was not. I was in indirect touch with him, as I have written in the book, The Making of the President 2016. All of this Russia stuff, uh, every bit of it, uh, whether I knew about John Podesta's email being hacked in advance, I didn't. There is no evidence that I did. The left has added two and two and come up with six. Whether I knew about and orchestrated the flow of releases from uh, WikiLeaks, the answer is I did not. Uh, but you see, they're trying to say, well, well, Assange works for the Russians, therefore that would mean you were in league with the Russians. Oh, Assange would Fiction. release never, anything he had happened. on anybody, wouldn't he? I'm sorry, say it again. Assange would release anything he had on anybody. Not He's an opponent of the deep state. Our, my liberal friends loved him when he was leaking stuff on George W. Bush. And now suddenly, you know, he's an agent of the Kremlin. No, no, he isn't. 
there's no evidence of that. He vehemently uh, denies it. So the deep state has a real problem. Just at the time that their so-called Russian collusion scam is crumbling before our very eyes, they're busted for wiretapping Trump Tower. When the head of the CIA and the National Defense Director and the FBI all deny it, George, that's de facto proof that it happened. Yes. Of course they denied it. They denied torture at Abu Dhabi prison. They denied uh, that the attack on our mission in Benghazi was uh, done by uh, uh, you know a, a terrorist group and not an unruly mob. They lied about weapons of mass destruction in Saddam Hussein. They lied about rendition of, of third parties uh, to uh, you know allies of ours that use torture. They lied about Iran-Contra. They lied about the Vietnam War. They lied about the assassination of John F. Kennedy. They, they the lied CIA about trying to kill Castro. Publicly, the odds are almost 90%. It is a lie. That's what spies do. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.